Boots and Backstraps, brought to you by Homes by Shane and produced by Danny Geo Productions. Today on Boots and Backstraps, we have national archery competitor and good friend Luke Agri. Luke joins us not only as our first guest of 2022 season, but our first competitor for our B&B archery contest. Shane, Tom, Luke, Jill, our studio manager, and producer Danny shoot the same bow, competing to win the coveted title of the 2022 Boots and Backstraps Top Shooter. Ladies and gentlemen, hunters and huntresses, this is the Boots and Backstraps podcast. Come on now. Honey's on, looking for backstraps, way deep in the woods. Tracking in a swamp to a hayfield under the harvest moon. When the tags are filled, it's time to switch up our boots. Head down to the honky tonk, get us a swing dance or two. We're talking about boots and backstraps. This is the show where we talk all things hunting and country music. From the classics through today, from big bucks to bull elk, we've got it all. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Boots and Backstraps podcast. It's 2022. I'm excited to be here, and I am joined, as always, by my um, not only handsome and talented, but also Deer Slayer co-host, Mr. Tom Cat. <laughs> Come on now. Yeah, so you, uh, sir, and we'll, we'll save it for another episode, but had a lot of success with deer season this year. Yeah, well, it was fun. You and I were together, and uh, we were up in the northwest corner of Minnesota, north of Thief River Falls, and I had a little history with this buck. <laughs> um, a nice 10-pointer, nice not a monster. I don't have a picture of it, I'm sorry, and maybe on a, another episode. but I've got it on the phone. I, I was standing in the tree stand, and uh, I was just, you know how you daydream? Boy, I hope a deer would come right down that trail right there and walk that way. I've got all these great shooting lanes. He just followed the script. It was like he came right down that trail. I was like, it was only about a 15-yard shot. Double lunged him, watched him go down. It was just uh, real nice because uh, weeks before that, he'd snuck in on me a couple times, snuck up behind me, looked at me. And, but I got him, and I was real excited about that. And uh, earlier this year, you and I were antelope hunting and yep. got a nice uh, young young antelope buck, and uh, that was exciting. It so was. So we've had a nice uh, year of hunting. We didn't get out elk hunting for the first time in 33 years, I think. Yeah, it's it was uh, disappointing we couldn't pull it together, but that's the way these things go. Yeah. yeah. We, were, we were quite busy, TK, if you yeah. recall, because oh, it was yeah. so long ago, but we were so busy getting set up with our new Wisconsin deer camp. Yep. And that's pretty cool. That came together. It did. Yeah. And uh, we, I don't know if Danny's got any pictures of that, but... Uh, we're going to... So we're going to do an episode, TK, where you and I are going to talk about the fall and all the hunts, and we'll talk cool. about Wisconsin camp and all the funny stories of all the craziness that went on with that. <laughs> Because we could do like a whole episode just on the Wisconsin deer camp. And the Wisconsin people. And the Wisconsin, <laughs> the Wisconsinites. But we are actually, uh, uh, I'm excited, and I know you're excited. Yeah. Because we're, we've been trying to get this guy in for a little while, and he's pretty busy. He is the, the manager of the most popular archery and uh, sportsman shop in the north part of the metro here. It's called Full Draw Outdoors, and we're joined in studio by Luke Agri. Hey, guys. Yay! Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. Luke's, Luke's been a great guy and a great help to us. You know, with my eye issue, I, <laughs> I'm probably wearing Luke out trying different sites and different remedies so I can s still continue to shoot in the archery league. 
My animal shooting is just fine, evidently, and that's a real victory for me. But uh, my target, my, uh, la my league shooting has suffered considerably. <laughs> so poor Luke has been trying to help me uh, straighten that out, and I think we'll get it. We'll get it to where we can get it. We've definitely uh, exhausted some ideas. <laughs> um, like, have you called all your distributors? <laughs> <laughs> almost. Almost. There's a couple we uses, haven't. When he uses the word exhausted, he's talking about himself. <laughs> no, not quite. I'm wearing him but up. It's a lot different um, under different lighting conditions. Oh, yeah. What you can see, what your eye can see, how big peep sites are, yep, yep. stuff like that. And all makes a huge difference. So. Yep, yep. We'll get that figured out and... Hell, if we go all the way back to the beginning, it'll be another episode. <laughs> I made the joke uh, while we were shooting outside, which we're going to talk about here in a minute, but that the color makes a difference. And I had no idea that that was such a big deal, but I guess it is, Luke. Absolutely. Um, makes a huge difference. Tom and I were working on this just the other day. Um, you know, there are certain sites, um, fiber optics is what casts the light um, that you can see what your aiming right. reference is. Right. There are certain lights that cast in different colors. Um, so we would take, for a guy like Tom, we would put a clear fiber optic with a light that changes colors. Maybe uh, against a yellow target, he can see green better. Maybe against a brown target, he can see blue better. Um, he had, would have the ability to change that. Yeah, instantly. with the uh, eye condition that I have, it's a neurological thing. And typically you get red sights, yellow or green, like stop and go lights. But blue, those for me... They all starburst really bad, but blue doesn't. And so that's why I'm shooting blue, a blue pin. But the layperson starburst just means that the <coughs> light itself is less confined. It gets spread out more. Yeah, and, you know, when you're driving down the road and, and it's hazy out or if you've ever had cataract surgery or anything, the headlights coming at you can starburst. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they kind of get distorted. And So that's what's going on in my eyes, so it, but we don't need to talk about that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, Luke, I know uh, aside from your claim and fame as a manager of this wildly popular shop up, up the street here, you also are an accomplished hunter and tournament shooter as well. Yeah, I focus. Uh, archery is my life. Yep. Um, when I'm not helping people fix bows, sight in bows, set them up with new bows, yep. um, I'm shooting competitively. I do take a little break from that around the middle of August, end of August, and start to get in hunting mode. Yeah. Um, then around mid-November mid to the end of November, depending on how many tags are still there. Right, I right, Pick up right. tournament bows and start going again. So now you, uh, um, I, I want to go back a little bit, TK, because I remember eons ago when you first introduced me to Full Draw and Willie over there, which I've, you know, enjoyed building relationships with you guys, obviously. Great, great staff, great Don't shop. Don't forget about Jason. Experts. Oh, yeah. Jason. <laughs> and, and Carrie, of course. Yeah. Love him, too. Um, but, uh, Kevin. So, yeah, Kevin. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, the, so the shop itself is what it is. But when we first, when you first introduced me to that shop, Luke was not there. And Willie was talking mm. about, well, I got, you know, you were telling me about oh, Luke. That's right. And he was talking about Luke. And he's like, I'm trying to get Luke to come in here and manage this thing. And I think you were in the middle of other stuff, right? Yep. Yep. I was in your corner there. I was telling Willie, you got to get Luke in here. I said, uh, he's the best. They, um, <clears throat> excuse me, they tried for a while. I was installing custom cabinets, driving all over the Twin Cities. Um, and it just, I worked, I, excuse me, I worked for them four, four years part-time before I came in full-time, just on a weekend basis. Weekends, one night a week kind of deal. Right. 
and then finally it just worked out. I got essentially tired of driving to the cities and said, you know what, I really love archery and I want to help other people love archery and here we are. Yeah, it was a good move. Mm -hmm. It was a great move for them yeah. because you're a great people person. Uh, I've never seen you get razzled or frazzled by any of the... That shop can be just full of people and Luke maintains a wonderful attitude and uh, very helpful and if you have any questions you're going to get the right answer so this is a great promotion for a full draw archery but it's a great shop and uh, Luke does a super job I'd like to go back a little bit I helped uh, as you know I helped organize a uh, the shoot up at uh, Mount Duloc uh, I guess that's been about five years now when we first started that and I had the opportunity to watch shoot a uh, Luke shoot in the competition there, and that, I don't know if that was our first or if it was our, I think it was our second year. I believe it was the, your and, second uh, year. And you yeah. took second place in that uh, competition. Yep. I was pretty impressed. Yep, and that was, um, so I haven't shot competitively very long. Um, I started shooting when I was 18. I grew up in Alaska. Oh, you did? I did, yep. Oh, and, wow. um I took kind of a break when my wife and I moved to Minnesota. I took kind of a break. I didn't have a real good pro shop to go to. There was some archery, you know, stores that sold archery, but right. not really a range, not a pro shop type atmosphere around. So I just kind of lost the drive to shoot. Right. I still hunted, and but I was one of those guys that pick up his bow a week before our season and shoot a little <laughs> bit. And does uh, he still shoot? All right, yeah, good enough. exactly. <laughs> like yep. Tommy Dre, <laughs> right? Yeah. And um, but that was so specifically that situation you're talking about, Tom. Um, we were standing there in front of. Two, three hundred people probably yeah. standing around. And the, wow. did you have separate classes? Was it Hunter and? Nope, it was all one at that point. Okay. No, yeah. I excuse me, it was not because um, there was a bow hunter class, okay. a bow hunter class and an open class. Right. And um, I yep, I qualified in. I believe I qualified in second to the in the open class, and it was a winner take all. You have to hit to advance type format um and then we got down to the steel targets yeah and the steel target for those of you that aren't aware a steel target is a hunk of steel with a round hole sometimes different size holes and if you don't get it through the hole your arrow gets destroyed by the steel and you hit the steel didn't you i did yeah and you took that was uh what put you in second place second but you place. lost to uh uh the matthews if I'm not mistaken, you lost to the big Matthews rep tournament shooter. I mean, he was a. Who did you who who did you lose to? Do you remember? No, it, um, I do. His name is I, I, Matt. I think his last name is Haas. Hmm. Matt Haas. I think he worked. He worked at the time. He was an engineer for Faradine. For okay. Faradine Outdoors. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Um, but anyway, very accomplished shooter. Oh yeah. Very very good shooter. Um, and he made a great shot. Yep. At a inch and a half, inch and a quarter ring <laughs> on a turkey, steel turkey target at 45 yards, I think oh it was. Gosh. It was a great shot with, you're the only one standing there. And you can feel every eye in the place burning through you. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, very, if you're not used to being in front of a crowd, that's a tough no. deal. And that was my first experience with that. And I that actually did help drive the, the feeling the feeling of that you have to make this shot yeah you, you know you, everything you practice for comes to this type of moment and you know shane i had a microphone and you know i was he's like noonan noonan <laughs> <laughs> on the microphone 
So that didn't help him. <laughs> <laughs> You're messing with him. Yeah. He's... Oh, here we go. Yeah. So is this that competition? No, this is from this year. I was um, like, you got a pro sh- pro st- uh, pro sh- no pro staff factory staff yeah. factory staff. Matthews factory staff. Yep. Um, this is at the same resort that 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 particular event we were just talking about is, um, but this is what now three four years into exploring the passion. Yep, and this is an event called uh, the OPA. Um, its long name is Organization of Professional Archers. Um, it was started by Levi Morgan um, and a friend of his, Mike Pollard. So world-class shooters. <clears throat> they are. Yep, absolutely. So th- it was an event designed to have the best shooters in the world all competing um, on a very, very different type of format. And how'd you do in this competition? Um, I ended up middle of the pack. Okay, good. Yep. Um, didn't win any money. <clears throat> this, this day right here, actually, um, I had one of my better days. Shot, I shot really, really well. The last five targets kind of got me. We were out right in the middle of that ski hill, kind of got hit by the wind on one shot, and it kind of rattled my nerves and mm. just never got it back. So my first, we shoot 20 targets a day, two days. Um, my first 15 targets were great. Couldn't ask for any better. The last five. And that's hurt, all it takes, hurt. right? Yep. yep. Oh, yeah. And I wasn't going to catch the leaders. The leaders had such an um, exceptional day on the first day that they just kept rolling through the second yeah but um for a confidence builder somebody that's trying to move up yeah it was i had a good second day it did help did levi shoot in that tournament levi did who won it do you remember because levi's won the national championship what 12 times something like that yeah levi uh shooter the asa shooter of the year 12 or 13 times um ibo triple crown champion Right. Many, many times. He um, gave my 12-year-old, well, then 10-year-old, one of his arrows mm-hmm. after the, sh- the right, shoot, right. after the, uh, the open competition. He didn't win that year, but my uh, son went over to him to just get an autograph. Yeah. And he didn't have anything to write with, and he just reached down into his quiver and said, here, take this. He gave him one of his arrow. arrows, and I was like, yeah. that's like 100 bucks." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, he's a great person. They're, he um, is a great person. Yeah, he is. Helps kids, takes lots of pictures, signs autographs. He'll go to practice range, help work with kids, try to, you know, work on their form, kind of give them some pointers. <clears throat> At the guy. ATA show in uh, Louisville, I got to interview him as long as a lot with a lot of other people uh, like Melissa Bachman and on and on. But She's cool, too. Le- yeah, Levi had just a ton of people around. He said, I got to sit down with Tom here and uh, we got to do a little interview. So and they all just he had his uh, he had a following, quite a following. And he was he couldn't have been any nicer. Yeah, and it's yeah. nice. Uh, for me, uh, being in the entertainment business, to meet people like him that are so well known, that are like a lot of country entertainers, are the nicest people in the world, and Levi is certainly one of those, a good representative of uh, our sport. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Very much. Good. Yeah. Fantastic. So, yeah. Luke, let's um, I mean, let's get in the wayback machine for a minute. Sure. And let's talk about how you got into archery or hunting in general. Because you didn't come out of the womb with a bow in your hand, so. No, no, I did not. I didn't. Uh, I picked up a bow when I was 18 for the first time. So um, when I was a kid, um, we hunted once a year, a lot like, you know, most people did. But growing up in Alaska, it was a much different type of game. Were you born in uh, Alaska? No, no. Wow, I was you born, grew up there, though. Yep. We moved. I moved there when I was three. Cool. Yep. Um, so we hunted one time a year. Moose wow. season in fall or caribou season, whatever it may have been. Um, you know, it was that maybe week to two week span mm-hmm. and uh i decided that that wasn't enough when i got kind of older and more 
kind yeah. of move, you know doing more stuff independently of my father i decided you know what i want to hunt more well archery season opens right at the end of july yep so more time to be in the woods yep and i did i was i did what most people do um that was back in the times of um Cabela, when Cabela's sent out those hard copy, oh yeah, you know, like book-style catalogs. Yep. And I'd go through that thing, and I was looking, I need this. And, oh, that <laughs> th- this bow here, I'm probably a 33-inch draw. You know, I have no idea. I have zero idea. And uh, <laughs> What is your draw, by the way? you got to be long. 30 inches. 30? Yep. That's, I, yeah. I got to admit, that's much shorter than I thought it was going to be <laughs> sure. for how tall you are. No, 30 inches, yep. Um, and I went to a local pro shop, which was just down the road. I'd never been in them before. And um, talked to the gentleman. His name was Jerry Fletcher. Owned Fletcher's Archery. And in what city? Wasilla, Alaska. Wasilla. Yep. And you remember oh. all this? That's amazing. Yep. Yep. So essentially, the, that's the man that taught me to shoot. Um, kind of got my interest, piqued my interest in target archery. Um, obviously, hunting. Every target archer. I, I shouldn't say that. Not every target archer. Ninety-nine percent of target archers are hunters at their core. Okay. Um, and they they love shooting their bow so much that they right. they compete, and it's way to keep shooting her bow and make some money have some fun um anyway i went in i shot some bows and uh, let's see was that oh i think it was 2005 2005 and i bought a matthew switchback brand new off the shelf oh yeah um just went in there every day bought a range pass would come in it was just a punch card i'd come in every day and shoot after work and just loved it joined some leagues shot a 3d league 3d animal league probably always been Sorry, go ahead. Probably met a lot of great people in the process. Absolutely. Because you can go into any archery shop in America, and you'll run into the nicest people, yep. and all of them want to help you. Yep. yep that's, that's the truth. That's the brotherhood of uh, archery. Yep. I was going to say, you've always been carrying around concrete then, like Matthews right out the gate. <laughs> yeah. For sure. No, it's been Matthews. I've, I've honestly never shot another bow, because when you're with the best, why do you change? Ah, there it yeah. is. Yeah. So you too. Here we go. Yeah, why, do we, why do we need to switch? Um, <laughs> Well, I, am, am, I do shoot Matthews, and one of the reasons I do is because, well, I, I had a Hoyt a long time ago, and I killed a moose with it, and uh, I liked Hoyt. I actually still love Hoyt, but I had a guy that owned an archery shop up by Brainerd come up to my door one day, and it's when I lived up in Pillager, and uh, he had a bow in his hand, a new Matthews, and he says, he says, here, why don't you try this out? I'm like, I was kind of confused. And then the light bulb went off. I said, I bet you need WeFest tickets. He <laughs> says, yep. <laughs> so mm-hmm. a little trade-off. Mm-hmm. And so ever since then, I've been shooting Matthews. Yeah, it's a great bow. But Hoyt, know, Hoyt is a great bow, too, in my opinion. Absolutely. Interesting yeah. story. I, I was talking to Luke because I, you know, my bow is four years old now, five years old, going on to that. So I'm going to be looking to make an upgrade probably this year. And an uh, update, I should say, because he was quick to kind of catch me. And I was like, well... Which one's the best? Do I go to Hoyt? Because I have a Bowtech now. I go to Hoyt. Do I go to Matthews or whatever? And he's like, well, look, I shoot Matthews. But the reality is, is all those brands, whether it's, yeah. you know, Elite or whatever, if you get their newest bow, they're all kind of about the same. Like, it just depends on you and how the bow yep. feels to you. But from a technology standpoint, it's not like one is that much better than the other ones. Yep, they all have their different technologies, um, especially in the, you know, say the last four years, they've all really advanced even more than what they already were. Yeah. Sure. Um, but for a new shooter, new shooter, old shooter, does, if you're not a brand-specific loyal person, some people, like myself, I love Matthews. I don't 
I'm, I'm going to shoot a Matthews. Like I know the, how they tune. The Ford Chevy guys. <laughs> yep. I, I know what makes them tick. I, I'm just I'm going to shoot them. Yep. They, I'm very familiar. They've never let me down. There's no reason to switch. But for guys not like myself, like yourself, Jane, yep. <clears throat> you come in and just shoot every bow. Go yep. into any pro shop, doesn't matter where. Ask guys to set bows up for you. Say if, you know, tell them if, it does, if price doesn't matter. Say price doesn't matter. I want to shoot the best from all the bow manufacturers that you have. And I firmly believe this. A lot of customers hear me say that. You don't pick the bow. The bow picks you. Mm-hmm. So you'll just, you guy might come in thinking, all my buddies told me about a Matthews. I'm going to, I really want to look at a Matthews. And then they shoot a Hoyt. And man, that Hoyt feels really, really good. They end up leaving with the Hoyt. Or maybe it be Hoyt and then Bowtech. It, it, it yeah. happens every day. Cue the Harry Potter wand music. Yeah. <laughs> the wand chooses you, right? Exactly. It's this, it's I'm not going to lie. Uh, that's exactly what I was going to say, and I got so excited. Yep. And I didn't even have the microphone. I was like, move yep. over, Kyle. I got to do, 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 Yep, that's the uh, truth. But it's, I'm not going to lie. I, I really, I, I mean, not to, to bring up, you know, anything that we're, you know, whatever, but I really liked that Genesis bow, just saying. Yeah, that's yep. a cool bow, and but you I've did never, really good with it. But I've never shot a Matthew, so... You know, oh, we can fix that. On problem. a future, uh, copy yep. that. Yep. On a, either this podcast or a future podcast, folks, you're going to see Danny, our producer, shoot two arrows for the very first time in her life. Never a shot a bow, never picked one up, and she shot two bullseyes right outside of our uh, studio here, and uh, we're all pretty impressed. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. very. Very. Yep. <laughs> I, I mean, was, she shot better than all of us. She did. She did. I told her <laughs> I was like, "You're the winner." Yeah. <laughs> Chicken you got, dinner. You got Luke over here and Dustin. Uh, our buddy Dustin Stanbridge is in studio with us today too. You brought um, a, this delicious whiskey that you and I are drinking, by the way. It's Which maker, we haven't even talked about. It's a it's a Maker's Mark Mocha um, coffee, and it's uh, it's fantastic. So uh, we had Maker's Mark on here before. We talked about Maker's Mark in a previous podcast, but this one is the one that Dustin found. That's a uh, the Minnesota, what is it, Min- Luke, what does it say, Minnesota Mocha, something or other? It says um, <clears throat> Minnesota Mocha Madness. Minnesota Mocha Madness, and yep. Jill, Jill's got the photo up there with our branding, so you can see the, the actual bottle. If anyone's interested in trying it, I can I can confirm, and Tom, you'll back me up. It's oh, delicious. It is wonderful. Delicious stuff. Great great to sip on. I mean, all of these bourbons are, yeah, yeah we usually do get into a little bit more about our uh, bourbon of the day, but that was a... Uh, Pretty good information right there. Yeah. And I think what we'll do is we'll wait till we get to break, and then I'll talk a little bit about the competition, let you boys um, you know, empty your bladders and refill your glasses. Going back to what we were talking about, uh, you know, being a mentor, a mentor at my church and used to mentor at the prison, I've said that same thing to so many people that were maybe interested in archery and young people especially. So if any of you are listening, I'd reiterate what uh, Luke was just saying. Go to an archery shop. They've got so many different brands of bows, at least a half a dozen that are at the top level. And just shoot them. Find one that's in your price. Maybe even find a used one that's in your price bracket because there's not an archery company out there that makes a bad bow anymore. You're going to find a bow that shoots phenomenally. I mean, this isn't like the old days. It's unbelievable. I shoot in that. I used to shoot in that 100-yard shoot at the game fair every year and it was just fun these big tall six foot something guys with 32 inch draw length (laughs) arch and they've got these heavy arrows they're shooting them you know my arrow will have an arc i mean the old arrows would have a big arc at 100 yards my arrow had a slight arc but these guys are shooting laser beams at 100 yards with 33 inch draw they're both the arrows probably flying 320 340 
and it's just feet per second, right? You know, so when you tell people you're shooting in a hundred yard shoot, they go, "Really?" And and you got to back them up and say, "It's not really me that much. It's these new bows, and these bows are just so amazing now." With a little practice, anyone could shoot at 100 yards. Yeah, Did you see can. Luke's arrows? It was like... Oh, yeah, those are cheater arrows. Like cheater a, arrows. Like a, a rookie. 30-inch stack of dimes. Yep. <laughs> like, yeah. It sure is. Yep. And you know why that is, don't you? I would only assume it's stopping power, right? No, no. The fatter... <laughs> you know those rings on the targets? I mean, you got to shoot a rhinoceros. You need that. You're right. Thing. Absolutely. If your arrow is a skinny arrow and you're outside that ring... It, then you got to take 10 points versus 12. Oh, yeah. But if you got a fat arrow and it touches that line, then you get the 12 points. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. Oh, that's 100% right. So yep. um, the it's just a way to miss just a little bit more yep. um, and, and still catch the line. Yep. Um, when it comes down to, you know, there's certain tournaments that uh, the Vegas shoot, for example, the largest indoor archery tournament in the world, um, they're going to pay $50,000 to the winner. You, yeah. you want, I mean, in shooting a telephone pole, <laughs> they, they are. Yeah. And, and not everybody does that. Some guys, some guys choose to shoot um, arrows that they feel are a little more forgiving. Um, and, and they play with their setups and kind of decide what works the best for them. But you want to have advantages when it comes to, you bet. Yeah. So here's Luke with his telephone pole. Look at the size of that arrow. You can just see it. Can you go back and, and freeze frame that clip with the arrow, like in the middle of the picture? Just go, but yeah, go back a little bit, like right, da, 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 right there. Look <laughs> at the size of that thing. <laughs> Huge. I mean, you got to be a big lumberjack kind of guy, Luke, to shoot arrows like that. <laughs> no, not necessarily. I get tired <laughs> just pulling that thing back. <laughs> I've uh, raised Luke's bow. It's got a lot of attachments to it. It was a little bit like a boat anchor for me. So t can you just talk us through real quick, pause it again, please? Um, talk us through, obviously that front section is a stabilizer, right? Yep. And that helps to keep the bow in balance when you're holding it out? Yep, essentially, essentially that's what it's doing. Um, stabilizers are, I kind of feel like they're misnamed, just in my definition of that. Um, a stabilizer is meant to, to resist the, what they call MOI, moment of inertia. And moment of inertia is the, the time that the bow is kind of in limbo, kind of not able to, you're, you have no more control over the string, no more control, you know, no more control over the arrow. It's kind of, so it's resisting any torque, anything that we might put into it. Um, the weight of the bow is actually what's making the bow more stable itself. Oh, gotcha. Um, and the stabilizers being so long, gets the weight further from your hand gives you gives kind of more leverage over the bow he's kind of a more dramatic feel yeah that makes sense and so then the rear section does that just kind of counteract that longer front stabilizer it does counterbalance yep add some weight um kind of balances the bow different in your hand um just gives some guys like to have the feeling of more weight in front of their hand some guys like the weight of more feel behind but it's all about a balance most of it's done in one ounce weights at a time, so you're adding very little to the bow. So in um, this, in this, when we were outside, this is obviously your bow, and, and I do have a video of the setup, but I'm not going to post it. It's going to be on our social media, so if you want to see him set up his bow, check us out on, on Boots and Backstraps Facebook and Instagram. But he's going to shoot here, and I, 
And I don't know, do you have a release in your hand? Yes, so that is a hinge release, what's called a hinge style release. So that release does not have a trigger of any kind. Um, it requires rotation for it in to your fire. Hand? In my hand. Whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa, wait a minute. So yeah. I've heard of, obviously, your standard wrist release. Yep. And then there, you got your thumb release. Yep. So what's this now? So this is what's known as a hinge <laughs> release. And how new is this tech? Um, they, they've been around a long time. Oh, um, long okay. time. Yep. I'm not exactly sure how many years, but long, long before I was shooting. Um, cool. And it, it, essentially, it's a hook um, that slides along what they call what's known as a moon, or uh, some people call them a sear. Um, but it's it slides along this sear until it gets to the edge, and then just falls away. The hook opens up. String releases. Yep. Um, so you turn your hand. <clears throat> Yeah, so... If I'm in, not mistaken, you kind of pinch your shoulder blades. Yep, yep. Some people um, would call this a back tension style release, um, though it requires some form of movement um, from, excuse me, from your fingers. Um, so what I like to do is keep tension in my back, keep pulling back tension against the bow, and then I squeeze my fingers down. So essentially it's making the release, I'm a right-handed shooter, it's making the release rotate in my hand oh. clockwise. So you're not having to think about moving an appendage. Nope. You just kind of compress those fingers and naturally because of the way your hand is shaped, it turns the release. Right. Oh. And so for me, when um, I have a trigger in my hand, uh, whether it be a thumb trigger or an index finger release, um, not immediately, but after so much shooting, I will target panic will set back in. I'll get an anxiety, um, you know, just worried that, you know, got to fire it as soon as it gets to the middle or, you know, in the hunting situation, as soon as it's on the deer, you fire it. It's, it's a crazy feeling. Um, what that release does is there's no way if, if you make some kind of, um, rash erratic movement, um, that would be along the same lines of punching a some type of trigger i was gonna say punch slap you're right? gonna yep. you're gonna miss you're gonna i mean because it's not firing immediately it, it needs to go through that rotation phase and get to the edge before it'll fire so without that rotation you could tie that thing to a truck you're gonna break it before it actually fired so the thing that i like about that and here you go luke here's a nice white tail yep this was north dakota last year yeah, that's a nice buck yeah we had some uh good history with him a lot of trail camera photos um, he was the biggest deer that we knew of on the farm until the night I shot him. <laughs> <laughs> Knocked the king off his pedestal, huh? Well, then, no, they got a whole lot bigger. Can we um, talk Can we talk about the culture that is, like, trail cam? You know, like, uh, I don't remember who it was we had on our show, but they were like, oh, yeah, we've seen this big old bear many a times, and then finally we got it. And I'm like, this is wild. You literally have a relationship, I mean, of a kind, right, with this, and you're like, I'm going to get him. Or, or her. Yeah, a lot of people give the animals names after they see them on the trail camera. Yep, what, what's, for his, sure. what's his name? This one, this one got named after he was um, already deceased. Um, but his, we, he was named by Carrie um, at the, that works with us at the shop. Uh, he named him Blades of Glory. Um, <laughs> both, both of his G2s are bladed. Um, he originally thought of Blades, and then I have a real good friend that his brother killed a deer the year before that they had named Blades already, so he just kind of adapted to make him different but um we don't really name our deer um it's kind of yeah i don't either uh, there's some that are so kind of, there's they're generic enough they look kind of the same that you got to name them to kind of separate them to when you're when we would be talking to right, each other right. to know what we're talking about but and typically the name is associated with some kind of physical characteristic of the deer right yep, yep. and some people give them uh people names 
Um, you know, I mean, they just, it's naming is all kinds of different things. Um, sure. But for most people, it's just a way to, if I was talking to you, Shane, and I said, oh, that, that big eight, well, we have 10 big eights, so which one? Yeah, we right. Give, we give them a way to describe what it would right, be. Right, right. Yep. Sure. Yeah. Hey, actually, real quick, Jill, would you mind just grabbing an antler for me? I mean, even one of these, I mean, one of the antlers. Give Luca an opportunity to kind of somewhat punch in here. Luca's our resident archery expert, um, and you'll find him at Full Draw Outdoors here in North Branch. So, Luke, if you could walk us through. Now, you dropped a little terminology there, and we like to, Tom and I are sort of um, crazy about making sure that we do explanations to the audience because right, right. a lot of people that listen to this show either don't hunt, maybe they're listening because they like country music or whatever. So you said G2. Can you walk us through what that's all about? So um, that's, that's a scoring term um, between Pope and Young and Boone and Crockett scoring system. Um, those are two, I should say that those are two separate organizations yeah. um yeah. maybe you guys have talked about them on the show before. yeah the pope and young is archery and the boone and crockett's uh, firearm yep yep so um they it's just their way of describing um what is what so on this antler um the brow tine what most people call the brow tine or an eye guard um that's the g1 the next uh main point out g2 and then on this eight point this would be a g3 mm-hmm can't remember a hundred percent if they would call a main beam on a on a four point side a g4 i think that's on a 10 would be on a five point side i'm not 100 percent sure on that i'm but, not either but that's the way that it's their description so it starts from the brow tine out correct yep yep yep, yep. and what does the g stand for i don't know that honestly you know what i can't think of it either I killer mean. kyle statistician on the google machine so when we're <laughs> talking about g with a deer antler what does the g and g2 or g3 stand for hmm We'll get that answer. Any that. relation to the G spot, or is that something? <laughs> <laughs> well, these are male deer, so I don't think they have one of those. I don't think. At some point in our uh, visit today, I want to go back to Alaska with you. Sure, absolutely. And how long? Well, I, I guess we can do it while we're waiting for Kyle. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, how many years did you live there? You uh, were there. You were there at three years old. How long? How old were you when you left? I think I moved back. To, I moved to Minnesota. Excuse me. When I was nineteen or twenty. Oh wow! Yeah. Yep. And, um, again, what town were you in? Wasilla. Wasilla, and where is that in relationship um, to Fairbanks or it's Anchorage? A, it's about 50 miles north of Anchorage, Okay. roughly 300 miles south of Fairbanks. Right, right. Yep. So 50 miles north of Anchorage. Yep. How big a town was it? Uh, about 15,000 people. Oh. Yep. yep. Yeah, so not tiny, but not huge. No, it wasn't tiny, and, and it's did, a whole lot bigger now. What did your dad mm-hmm. do up there? Uh, my dad... In the summer, drove a cement mixer until concrete shut down for the winter, and then he was the service manager of the um, local Articat snowmobile dealership. Oh, I'll be darn. Mm-hmm. Huh. Made right here in Minnesota, mm-hmm. Teef River Falls. That's right. <laughs> All right, so when I'm looking this up, it says that uh, they're talking about measurements specifically, and it'll talk about uh, H measurements, which is the circumference of a buck antler. Mm-hmm. at different points and then g is a measurement the lengths of the tines or the antlers points okay so they don't really have a specific definition for what g means nope it's just a it's hmm. just a letter that they're using for a different measurement i'll okay. bet you there's somebody listening that does know we gotta oh, get we'll get guaranteed. phone lines in here someday <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> then we gotta hire somebody else yep. i i want to say also if, if luke you'll allow me a little bit of room here it's just uh this is the first time in 
Well, we haven't been in studio for a couple months. We took right. a break for holidays and all that stuff, hunting. For hunting and holidays, yep. The hunting and holidays. Um, but this is the first time that we've had the whole B&B team in the studio together, and even longer than that. Yeah. Because we've got Jill here in studio, our studio manager. We've got Danny, obviously our producer. We've got Nicole, the producer's assistant in there, production assistant. And then K- Killer Kyle, our statistician slash Google guy, um, all here at the same time. Well, Dustin's is, uh, he brought the whiskey, so he can stay as long as he wants. <laughs> and he forgot the chili. <laughs> <laughs> the chili. His poor guy's getting kicked while he's down. <laughs> he did bring very expensive tequila. Boy, I'll tell you. This could be a party later on today. Could be. Oh, Lenny will, Lynn Kitty will show up, and we'll all have to throw around a tequila on, get the music cranking, and this is a really sturdy treble. Oh, boy. We do have a girl, <laughs> that, a gal that works with us that I think has been on a table or two. <laughs> All right, so then... uh, I have not. uh, Not today anyway, Kyle. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I've definitely been on tables, but as an MC at events. Uh, I can remember doing that. I'm going to end that conversation right (laughs) now. No, I got a funny story for you. Oh, good. So we were... uh, This is back in the days before um, I quit doing live music because I was... I started in the DJ MC world in 91, and then in the early 2000s, I decided I was going to foray into music. And so I was the lead singer for a local country act. And we've talked about that on the podcast. And we did an, an opening for Blackhawk, who yeah. are probably friends' ears, yep. at uh, the Medina, because that's Henry. where they play. When they come to Minnesota, they always play the Medina. And uh, so we were their opening act. And they had the dance floor initially set up as kind of a banquet. Yeah. And then in between us and Blackhawk, they cleared those tables that were there out. Well, these tables at the Medina, they have a kind of a catwalk set up. Yep. And they have these tables all set up in rows that just kind of mirror the catwalk. And so all these people were, that were enjoying our show as the openers were like waving for me instead of walking up the catwalk to walk across the tables. And I'm like looking back at the production guys, like, can the tables hold me? And they're like, oh, yeah, you're good. You're good. So then I decided I was going to walk out across the tables. Well, I wasn't even thinking about it because we're, you know, you're in the mode, you're performing, and there's all these people in there, and they're making noise, and you're having a good time. And then after we finished our set, the live sound engineer, good friend of mine still to this day, Kevin Reed, um, came up to me, and he's like, you a-hole. And I was like, whoa. I'm like, what? And he's like, you know, when you went out on that catwalk, you were right in front of the speaker stack. I had to grab your mic and, like, turn it way down. So he's like, yeah, there was about, like, three minutes there where you're walking on that table where no one heard you. <laughs> and you know, if you walk in front of a speaker with your microphone, you get amazing feedback. feedback. Sure. Yeah. So I had no idea. Like I just performed like everyone could hear me. And apparently I found out, you know, half hour. Oh, later. He said, Hey, Mick Jagger does it. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so that was really funny. Cause like the band was, you know, they didn't know cause they're, they're listening to my voice through their in-ear monitors, not through the house speakers. So when he turned it down, he turned it down just in the speakers themselves, the live speakers. So everyone else on stage could hear me like I was still singing. I could hear me like I was still singing. But everyone that was out there couldn't hear anything except me just sitting there like mouthing the words. Lip syncing. Yeah. That's when they knew you were a lip syncer. Yeah, right. Damn. My Millie Vanilli ruined. (laughs) Uh, So so you moved to Minnesota. What what brings you guys to Minnesota? Um, So my entire family. Uh, was born, raised Minnesota. Um, the reason that we moved to Alaska was my grandparents had went there. I don't remember why grandma and grandpa moved to Alaska, but they did. My mom and dad went on a vacation there to visit them and decided they liked it and moved. 
Oh. So. I'm a huge fan of uh, Below Zero on uh, Discovery Channel sure. and, the, and the National Geographic. They've got a half a dozen different shows about Alaska and the people living there. I watch all of them. Yep. I can confirm he made me watch a few episodes. He did. <laughs> oh, yep. I just, I, I keep thinking to myself, if I was younger, you know, I'd, geez, I would do that. And I have a real close friend, you know, Tom Blajeski, yep. where we stay up in Blaisdell. Uh, New, up in New Folden, his son uh, Taylor Tyler Tyler moved to Alaska. I don't know four four or five years ago. Man, he's killing caribou and moose and grizzly and just living a life, and he just absolutely loves it. And he comes yeah. back home for uh, the deer season, but he goes back. What a great life he's living! I'm just kind of jealous and thinking I would love to have done that. This is your opportunity to take a shot at him. Do you want to take a shot? Because I know you want to. At Blaisdell? No, no, at Tyler. You remember, you remember the freezer? Trick. <laughs> <laughs> he brought down moose meat, and uh, the other prick, Wheels, yeah. brought, down, uh, brought up a bunch of walleye, and we ate spaghetti that I brought, but they didn't want to pull out the good stuff until we were gone. Because they were yeah. staying a whole other week? Sure. So they waited until we left. We'd been there for a few days already. So then you he sent me a... Out card or a text and he says boy we're enjoying this walleye and moose wow. meat wish you were here wow. that's dirty. Oh. that is dirty i'm gonna get him back for sure that so, was dirty so when we this is my first time going up to this minnesota deer camp uh tom and the other tom invited me to come up which was great and uh, it's, it's a beautiful i mean three four thousand acre property and they've got stands already set up they've been hunting it for 30 or 40 years so they know 40. where the deer are sure it's it's great. It's fantastic. Yeah. If you're a deer hunter, this is paradise for Minnesota. Yep. So anyway, so we go up there and we'd been there a day, and then and the day two is when Tyler flew in from Alaska, as he mentioned. Mm -hmm. And Tom, inter you know, goes over, gives him a big hug. They haven't seen each other in a while. I, yeah. I guessed. Um, and uh, he introduces him to me. So I stick my hand out to shake the man's hand. Now I have what I would consider to be normal sized man hands. I mean, would you say I have small hands? No, I wouldn't like say normal that. hands, right? Yep, normal. This man's hand, he's and he's like maybe an inch taller than me. He wrapped his fingers all the way around my hand to shake my hand. I felt he's like got, I was shaking hand with Andre the Giant. Yep. That's I mean, funny. These were cast iron frying pan hands. Yep. They were huge hands. They are. That, like I, I got distracted. He was like talking to me because they just Tom had just introduced us. Yeah. And I'm like looking in his eyes and extended my hand. And as soon as he wrapped his hand around my hand, I was like, <laughs> I like forgot he was talking. And I'm like, oh, sorry, man. <laughs> and that's funny. When you see him jump out of the shower, you know, the hands are big, but <laughs> little winky on them. <laughs> that's really funny. That is getting even. <laughs> well played, sir. That's, it's well, it's, it's, it's a beginning. That was beautiful. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely enormous hands. For you, sure. you'd think he's seven feet tall with as big as his hands are. That's funny. Or he's tall. He's probably he's about he's six. Be six. No, no, he's more than six. No, he's like an inch taller than me, and I'm okay. like five eleven and a half. Yeah. I'm I'm curious why Tom's watching him get out of the shower. Well, you know, he watches all of us. It's a hunting camp. Okay. <laughs> and you've never seen the most amazing thing in the world to see when a man jumps out of the shower. He's only got one ball. <laughs> He's got this extra skin. <laughs> it's you know way too much about that stuff. I know. Yeah. I, yeah. You know what the crazy thing is? I still chafe, which is wild. <laughs> like the other day, I don't remember. Yeah, what, what did you give me uh, when we were in deer camp? That monkey dope or something? Monkey butt. Monkey butt. <laughs> you know monkey butt? <laughs> is that the, the powder? The powder yeah. I've heard of it. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Seen, yeah. 
It's great. Well, it's Works funny. Good. I wanted to put it on myself, but he wanted me to bend over so he could shoot that powder up my keister sure, there. Yeah. That's a little weird. <laughs> He well, was going to show you the application process. I was surprised. <laughs> but at his, you did it, so. Yeah. I was I surprised mean, at his lack of ahead. cleanliness back there. I'm like, you have trouble? <laughs> I said, are you having trouble reaching back here? It's, it's, as it's long as you're dirty. back there, can you pick a couple of berries back? <laughs> <laughs> this conversation Victim really needs to be volunteer. edited. <laughs> oh, no, we're keeping it. The down. longest butt solid, crack I've ever seen. Solid gold. <laughs> That's funny. Hey, what's with the long face? Yeah. <laughs> He's talking to the horse. <laughs> Dad joke. <laughs> with that joke how does it go the horse walked into the bar bartender said hey what's with the long face right yeah exactly. all right all right so i think we should uh go to break here in a second but i would really love tom we have selected a an amazing picture that is on the table that we would love to hear your stories about okay this is a, a part of the episode that uh maybe you've seen or maybe you haven't seen but for, um, what, 35 years I hosted the world's largest <laughs> country music festival up in, we uh, up in Detroit Lakes, Minnesota, the WeFest. Uh, one of the founders and uh, so uh, pretty much wherever I go, maybe not so much anymore because I've been away for it for a few years. Except last year, Shane and I and Kelly Pickler, we co-hosted the WeFest together. Um, but everyone would always say, well, what's so-and-so like? What's so-and-so like? And... So we decided to add a segment to our podcast. Danny would pull out a picture of one of the hundreds of uh, autographed photos that I have from the WeFest and tell a story about them. Well, you choose a doozy because I have the funniest story. Here are the Judds. Well, I'm sure everyone knows who that is. Naomi and Holy, Winona. That's very early Judds. Yeah. They were so fun. Look at how young Winona now, looks, especially. Before I tell this story, they're great. I mean, they're, <laughs> they're just fun. preface the story. <laughs> they're fun, fun people. I got to preempt this story because I had worked with them at other shows, and we got to know each other pretty well, and we would banter, and they're like practical jokers, okay? So I know this. We're giving each other shots. Well, I'm sitting on their bus one day, and uh, I'm sitting between Winona and... Naomi and Naomi, the mom is sitting here. She's so beautiful. And Winona was on my right, and our photographer was right in front of us. And he was taking pictures. And Naomi said, Tomcat, you smell great. What do you got on? And I looked at her, and I looked at Winona, and I said, You know, sitting between you two, I've got a heart on, but I didn't think you could smell it. <laughs> <laughs> No, I talked to my wife about telling that story, and I swore, I don't think you should tell that story live on, on the podcast. So we'll take a vote here as to whether or not that's going to make it through to oh, the... Oh, that's uh, staying in. <laughs> that stays. Look, so what do you anyway, think? I, I think that's gold as well. <laughs> two yes. of the greatest gals. I mean, mm -hmm. I every year I would go out on stage and give Winona flowers after they separated, you know. Uh, Winona went on a tour herself, and so we kept the banter going. And I would give her flowers. And I'd walk, you know, I gave all the female entertainers that ever came to the WeFest, I mean, all the legends, Dolly Parton, you name it, Tammy Wynette, Loretta Lynn, I gave them flowers. And sometimes they'd give me a kiss or sometimes they'd say something nice. Well, one oh no, take them flowers. And yeah, I feel like a schoolgirl. Are we going to hop in the back seat? She'd just give me some, a ration of stuff. And I had a microphone in my hand and I was used to giving it back but I had to bite my tongue 
Because you're on the stage. Because I'm on stage, and she's the star. and So I never really gave it back to her, and she would say something like, some mother's children. And Anyway, <laughs> we always had a lot of fun together, and uh, that's my Judd story. So uh, <laughs> forgive me if I offended anybody, but uh, I guess there are other podcasts to listen to. <laughs> Yeah, if that's the most offensive thing they've heard today, then uh, they're probably not getting out of their house too much. <laughs> I got, after I said that, Naomi's like, pow. <laughs> and Winona's shaking her head. Anyway, it was fun. That is fun. All right, so we are going to go ahead and go to break here, Luke. Give everybody a chance, as I said before, to uh, empty their bladders and refill their glasses. There's, We have food that we talk about um, on the podcast, so we always get a spread in for our guests. So please take partake in that, especially that elk uh, maple sausage that's mm-hmm. up there because it's amazing courtesy of mark's meats yep i'll be going back into that myself and uh, while we're on the break here we are going to talk a little bit about our archery shoot that we had uh, with dustin and with luke and uh actually the ladies jumped in on this as well so we'll be uh, right back here in just a few minutes to so stick around we'll be right back with uh more boots and backstraps after the break we're going to see tom shane luke New to the crew, Dustin, Jill, our studio manager, and producer, Danny, enter their scores for the B&B shootout. Everyone's shooting the same bow and competing to win the coveted title to be the 2022 Boots and Backstraps shootout champion. The journey is a special thing. The journey has meant the world to me. It's special because we've done it together. There's always going to be improvements that can be made, celebrations along the way, adversities to overcome and maybe a dad joke or two. If I learned anything about the journey in our time together, it's that you've just got to take it all in and do what's right. Continue to grow, continue to live in the moment. The journey is never ending. I'm excited to take this next step in our journey together. Welcome back to Boots and Backstraps, everybody. We're back from the break, and uh, we've still got Luke Agri in studio. Glad you uh, were able to stick around with us here, my friend. Yeah, it's a great time. we got a lot to talk about still. Mm-hmm. But before we roll back into you and hunting and target shooting and all the evolution. Cause Alaska. Alaska. Because we, you know, we t- in the last half, we did a little rabbit holing, which we do, right, TK? Yeah. Which is fine. We like that. We like we're the rabbit holes. We're not professionals. No. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone that thinks we are, <laughs> got you fooled. If you could speak for yourselves, that'd be great. Thank you. Ah, uh, <laughs> yes. We have a professional stu- studio bleh, producer, but uh, not so much the talent, obviously. But, uh, yeah, so we, we got into this, like, you're in Alaska, and you're moving back to Minnesota, where you, you were born, where your family's from, um, and we're going to kind of take off from there. But before we do that, we do want to talk about this shoot that we had before we started today. Sure. So we as part of our sort of relaunch into the new year and everybody coming back into filming the podcast regularly as we were last year, we filmed 30 something episodes last year, pretty exciting for us and had a great time doing it. Looking forward to this year. But uh, one of the new things that Danny wanted to do, our producer, Danny geo productions was to have kind of a shoot off um, with uh, archery 
and it's evolved a little because when we first talked about it, is everybody would bring a bow, everybody take a shot, whoever got closest to the into the X, kind of keep points or whatever throughout Wins the year. all expenses paid vacation to Beldenville, Wisconsin. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, exactly. Your first round on us. You get like a little wooden chip you give the bartender <laughs> for a tap, a Miller Lite. <laughs> We're big spenders around here. <laughs> I thought it came with the uh, monkey butt powder. The there monkey you go. butt. Yep. <laughs> your, your free lifetime subscription to monkey butt. <laughs> we could do a quick promo for that. Uh, but no, so we um, it changed a little bit, as you saw today, where it's you get to shoot your bow, but then you also have to shoot the bow that you brought which is uh, Genesis, is that right? Genesis, right. And Genesis, this particular bow, is, as you mentioned in the video, which we'll show, is kind of a anyone can shoot it kind yep. of thing. Yep, 100%. It's One the, size fits all. Right. It's the same bow that's used in the National Archery in the Schools program or NASP program. Um, it's meant to fit absolutely anybody. Tom yep. could be shooting it one minute, hand it to Shane, you could shoot it. There's no setup process, no sights. You can put sights on them, but the way they normally are shot, no sights. Fingers. Yep. No releases. Yep, yep. And I think you guys use them in the shop to give people an opportunity that maybe don't have any archery experience to shoot a bow and get a feel for it. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Seem you, you Especially guys, young kids. Yep, young kids. Um, you know, people that just say, somebody might come in and say, boy, I really, I want to shoot, I want to try shooting, but I don't know if it's a, you know, I want to have a monetary commitment to it. So do you have a bow that we could try? Absolutely. Set them up with just some shop arrows and a Genesis bow and just, let them fling arrows downrange and see if they like it. Yeah. So, I I can't imagine that you get too many people that pull that thing back, even a Genesis bow, and go, "Yeah, I hate this. I'm just not going to do this." No. Yeah, that's I don't. Fun. I I was actually, as I was saying it, trying to think of one. If I have if somebody didn't eventually stick with archery, and pretty much everybody that tries it, you get bit, right? Yeah. You bet. <laughs> yeah. And then you just magically you don't even know what's happening it's almost like you're caught in a dream and your wallet's coming out of your pocket yep. and luke's reaching out and grabbing your credit card <laughs> not quite not quite gotta no. hand them the, it's a trade-off with the bow no. i hand them the bow they hand me the card luke's <laughs> handing them the bow willie's sneaking around <laughs> one hand in their pocket the other one on the credit card <laughs> uh, uh what, what is that what is that uh i forget Oh, yeah, when you buy a bow, you get a hat. You buy the hat, you get the bow. <laughs> it's Man, a really expensive hat. That's a pricey But it comes hat. with a bow. So it's a nice, it's a nice setup. That's beautiful. Yep. I never heard that before. Yep. Well, let's go to the shoot. Before we started filming today, we were uh, outside, and what we did is um, set up a 10-yard shot and a 20-yard shot. The 10-yard shot was for the Genesis, that anyone can shoot at bow without the sight on it. And then uh, the boys set up a 20-yard shot so they could shoot their bows. Now, I did not have my bow with because I'm a slacker. And uh, I got too distracted getting out of the house this morning. But the other three gentlemen, Dustin and Luke and uh, TK, all had their bows. So it looks like TK is getting ready to shoot the Genesis 10-yard shot. And uh, so we've got a 10-yard line. And then Luke brought a nice block. It's got an, uh, You can actually get these blocks at Full Draw Archery. Luke will help you out to get that squared away. The nice thing about this particular block is that you can change out that core so as you shoot it and it gets a bunch of holes in it gets worn out a little bit you can get a new core for it without having to buy the whole surround for it so here's tk showing us the the draw and the shot and there's the block down there you can see the board that we got set that's up actually a, not a block is it it's a no nope, that's product. a target made by 365 archery yeah um and they're also a minnesota company right 
Yeah, so but the black is a pretty standard. Uh, yep, yep. An archery target. You yeah. bet. And we get the backstop. TK threw a piece of wood out there as a backstop in case anybody missed. And only, only one person hit it. Only one person missed. We won't say names, Jill. I mean, uh, Shepard. Whoop. All right, so as we look at this, what we've got from yeah. TK is uh, two fives. So if you're not... The first one is a practice, so it's just a five. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So one, one arrow for score, so if we were saying five. If, yeah, if we were scoring, we would say that these are both fives, right? Because they're not on the actual scoring area. They're outside the scoring area, but they are on the target itself. So that would be a five. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. And this is different. I mean... There's no, um, with this target, there's no official scoring yeah. system. Sure. So it's kind of up to however you guys want to make a scoring system. Use your discretion. Yep. I think what I would say, if we can go back to that shot real quick, Nicole, and just show that um, target again for a second. Nicole? Oh, she needs a second. All right, so so we've got the, uh, whoop, if we just show the target. Yeah, that's good enough. That's fine. So anywhere on that dark area would be in my mind from the standpoint of this particular we'll call it competition it's considered on target but not on a scoring area and then the yellow if you're if you get an arrow in the yellow we're going to call that an eight and if you get one touching one of those black circles we'll call that a 10 and if you get one we'll say within a reasonable distance of the middle of that dark circle we'll call is there that an next ring on those there is not I, the way shane you're on the we're on the same kind of thought process yeah for a 12 I would call it anything that's completely inside what I would call inside out to where the complete arrow is inside of the black ring, not okay. touching any of the outer. All right. So that's what we'll do. Go, going forward, we'll use our resident professional's opinion. If you're touching that black circle, you'll get a 10. And if your arrow is completely inside the black circle without touching any yellow, you'll get a 12. Right. That sounds good to me. Yes. The eight is going to be anything in the yellow, but not touching one of the black circles. And then anything that's touching the dark area on the perimeter but not touching the yellow is going to be a five. Anything that doesn't hit the target but hits the backstop is just going to be a golf clap. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> if it hits the backstop but not the target, it's a golf clap. So here's me and my first shot. Now, I feel a little cheated because TK was helping the ladies line their shots up, and then as soon as it was my <laughs> turn, he walked away. Well, you're halfway there. <laughs> so a little bit of, if you could pause that for a second. For a guy who shot his first animal at 60 yards, and it was an antelope, his first shot, his first hunting trip, he doesn't need my help. <laughs> I always need your help, TK. Didn't, didn't this guy in this uh, video here uh, once put an arrow through an arrow? I did. I do have a Robin Hood in my record. It's sitting on my, I've got a set of, um, uh, 10 foot Texas Longhorns over my fireplace in my family room and set up on that was my one and only Robin Hood. Now, the guys that are regular shooters will tell you, oh, yeah, I got like three or four or five of them. How many do you have, Luke? Um, lost count. Yeah, right. Um, but it doesn't happen much anymore when you right. realize how expensive arrows are. Exactly. You start aiming at different spots. That All was right. going to be my next uh, thought because yeah. once you uh, do a few Robin Hoods, you're like, God, those are those arrows are expensive. So people that are shooting single shots will typically go to a five-spot target yep. so they're not breaking their arrows. Yeah, so Robin Hood, for the layperson that's watching this, is where you shoot an arrow into the target and you shoot an arrow into the back of the other arrow. and uh, It goes right down the spine. 
Yeah, and they like actually lodge together. Yep. Because I, you know, all of us have had glancing blows where you maybe break the first arrow in the target, but yep. there's no like actual lodging between the two. Are we still talking about archery? We might be. <laughs> we might be. So in the grand scheme of of those that shoot archery with any kind of regularity, it's probably ten percent or less that have ever done it, right? Of, I'm sorry, of, of Robin Hood, 10% or less? Yeah, 10% of people that shoot their bows have had a Robin Hood in their life. It would be hard for me to throw a number on that, yeah. but you would be surprised as to how many do it. Um, right. There was, we were at the shop the other day, there was two of them on back-to-back arrows from different people. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it depends on distance, too. It does. Because I've seen a bunch of guys, friends of mine, I give them a hard time because they're out in their backyard shooting 10 or 15 yards. Like, oh, I got a Robin Hood. Like, you could throw it yeah. as a Robin Hood from 10 yards. 3D, you know, shooting 3D archery, we see it quite a bit, um, sure. especially when you get into the upper right. levels. Yeah. Because there is only one 12 ring that you're aiming at. And if everybody's piled in the middle, say there's four guys shooting at that target and there's three guys in the 12 ring, yeah. there's one more guy to go. Well, and- his his chances of hitting that one of their arrows square in the back is dramatically increased. Right. So it, you do see it. You know, for years I shot with Brady, who you guys know real well. Uh, one year when I, before I lost a lot of my eyesight, we used, we used to shoot one arrow. I think this was up at Wild River. One arrow on one target, one arrow on the other target. And then the other guy would shoot one arrow on one arrow. Well, I Robin Hood his, and he Robin Hood mine. Mm-hmm. That's and the same deal. That was yeah. like, and we have pictures of it. That was pretty cool. So in the grand, in the world of target archery, I'm sure it happens with regularity. But in the grand scheme of just archers across the board, hunters and everything, um, because with hunters, most of the most of the folks out there that hunt bow only shoot their bows right before hunting season. It seems like far too many only shoot. Right. right they take it down out of the rafters of the garage yep. when August gets here. Yep. Oh, I better throw a couple arrows down the driveway yep. before I got to go out and get in the woods and get my stand. So that's kind of where I was. That's coming not a good it. idea, yep. but yep. it does happen uh, probably too much. I mean, that would not rhyme with anything called Cameron Haynes. I mean, that guy's shooting his bow 50 times a day. Yeah. He Plus, seems like he shoots a lot. Yeah. Levi Morgan, you mentioned him earlier. He's a guy that shoots probably 100 or 200 times a day. Yeah. Just amazing. Mm-hmm. And, and, of course, it shows in their precision. It sure does, yeah. Um, the best shooters in the world are robots. I've always kind of used that type of description because they can, do, they can do it exactly the same way every time or very, very close to exactly the same way um, because that's what it takes to be accurate. If you, yep. if you change your anchor position, how your hand con- you know, where you place your hand on your face, if you, con- you know, uh, change how you press your nose against the string or did you press your nose against the string, how you center the, the front sight, the scope of your sight in your peep sight all makes a huge difference um, to downrange accuracy. 20 yards, 10, 15, 20 yards, it's not as dramatic, but when you start to stretch it out through a little ways, you really, really start to see when form becomes crucial. A lot of those competitions do have 80, 90, 100-yard shots. Yep, oh, sure yeah. do. So something like that on a 100-yard shot, like you said, just the slightest difference between that peep ring and your sight ring can make a huge difference, right? Yep. yep. If you vary, um, you know, just for example, if you vary looking through your peep sight by, I'll, I'll even use it, something down to a, a 32nd of an inch, something mm-hmm. that's tiny, I'm, I'm hard to notice yeah. at 100 yards, depending on the target, could be a complete miss of the target. It's amazing. From, yeah, it's, it's crazy just because you're putting the pin 
or whatever aiming reference you use in a different location. Your eye is telling you it's in the right location, mm-hmm. but your eye is in the wrong spot. Right. So it's right, like got you it. said, everything. Do you know anybody anchor? these days that shoots without a peep? Very, very few hunters nowadays prefer to shoot without a peep. I'm considering it. Yeah. Um, and it's for the, you know, because it's one, a lot of the guys that I know that do it were very um, traditional yeah, you know, for years traditional archery, right, right. shot recurves, longbows. Um, it just feels very natural to them to aim without, right, right. some form, of, you know, something to line up a rear sight of any kind to line up. Well, that's a topic for another time. I wanted to talk to you about that, maybe eliminating my peep because of my eyesight. So, what? No more peeping, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> and in doing where's that, my rim shot? <laughs> in doing that, Tom, that that would be the ultimate form of um, perfect repeatable form right right um, you know I'm execution thinking maybe, the same uh, way and for those of you that don't know what the heck we're talking about that aren't into archery as much as we are maybe adding a kisser to the string and eliminating the peep because yep. with my limited eyesight now i need all the i that eliminates a lot of uh, light and it does yep. so anyway i'm sorry yep no you're good let's hey. go back to the competition here you know, before yeah. you jump to that i just want to ask because uh, you bring up peep and as soon as i think of that i think of those uh delicious marshmallow snacks that uh shane <laughs> loves so much but mm. what is a peep yeah it's not a it's not a little marshmallow bird that you eat around easter despite no. everyone's disappointment um what uh peep is is it's a small ring uh usually plastic right luke Yep, plastic or machined aluminum. Yep, yep, yep. yep. And it goes uh, into the string, um, and it's your first point of reference as you draw the string back, and your eyesight goes through that small ring first before you see the sight that's attached to the bow. Yep, it's essentially the same concept as um, open sight uh, rifle, BB gun, whatever. Most people, most hunters have shot something like that. that it's a time. rear sight. Yep. It's the rear sight on a rifle. It's the same, sure. same type of concept. Lining a rear sight up with a front sight. Yep, there we go. Mm-hmm. All right. So I think I I think I shot once already, or is this the first shot? This is your okay, so the second shot. And I, I have to comment on the um, very, very great release hand execution. <laughs> Thank you. Very, very calm, smooth, relaxed. So I'm going to call that a 50? Does that seem <laughs> sure right? It sure looks like a 50, <laughs> yeah. Sure no, I, I guess without a, a middle circle on there, I don't know. It's tough to tell from that angle if that would it's be a, good a 10 chat. or 12. It's a good chat. Yeah, it sure is. If I'm guessing at that, I'm saying that's completely inside. All right. Oh, yeah. Yep. We'll go with Luke. It's a 12. 12. Mm-hmm. Who's next? Better to be lucky than good. Danny, show yours. Yeah, who is next in the, in the food chain here? We'll get through everybody's shots. Okay. And then we'll come back to Luke. Oh, boy, there's some good news. <laughs> I think it's great news. <laughs> Dustin. Dustin was uh, a guest on uh, our last show that we did. See, he puts all of his fingers right underneath. He's also the only southpaw. Yeah. Shooting a right-handed bow, I might add. And right. we have not aired his uh, segment yet, but we will soon. When this goes out, we will. Dustin used to be a, my partner uh, up at Gander years ago. Get great follow-through. Do you see that? Yep, he sure does. Riser didn't move at all. So unfortunately, D-Man, that's going to be an eight. That's an eight. <laughs> <laughs> How did that become an eight? I didn't listen when you guys were talking about the scoring. 
It's in the uh, yellow black. area without touching any of the black circle. Yep. So, so if it's, it's in the dark outer area, that's a five. Yeah. If it's touching yellow but not one of the scoring circles, yep. then it's an eight. If it's touching one of the black scoring circles but not completely okay. inside it, it's a 10. Okay. And if it's completely inside the black scoring circle without touching any yellow, it's a 12. All right. I got it down. All right. You know me. I'm a numbers guy. So here's Luke <laughs> pulling a bow that's way too small for him. It's like me shooting my kid's little plastic one with the suction cup on the front. That's what it looks like. Poor Luke. He's like, who took, me a question? I don't remember. who took my beer? <laughs> <laughs> now, I want to point out that was almost a complete miss. <laughs> it's your yeah, practice you shot. But, it, you know, <laughs> right. there's no sights on it. It's uh, you haven't. It's a complete guess. Yeah shot a open sight like that i feel like you kind of rushed the shot though very instinctual just <laughs> yeah i saw it let it fly yeah grip, yeah grip it and rip it all right so that one we got to call that one also an eight you can see a little bit of yellow there between the arrow and the scoring circle yep can you see that tk yeah I, absolutely i didn't realize how close dustin and i were to almost shooting exactly the same arrow just on opposite sides of the ball yeah right yeah. right exactly all right, who's next? Who's next? Who next? What was my score when I shot? Uh, did we didn't show yours yet, did we? Yeah. No, I don't think Mine so. Mine was up first, no, I thought. Five. You got a five. Oh, you got a five. Because you didn't get into the yellow. Oh, yeah. So while we're waiting on, uh, oh, here we go. A little tu tutorial for Jill. Jill's like, I can't feel my hands. <laughs> like, okay, this is probably going to be good. She, to her credit, she didn't have gloves on. She's out there filming, so her hands were exposed to the weather. The rest of us had our hands in our pockets. I so kept she, saying, down, down, down. She wouldn't come down. She's like, I feel like I'm shooting at the ground. <laughs> down, down, TK, down. She's holding that a long time. Do you see this coaching? He's standing behind her, giving her the 101. <laughs> now, this is she did miss the target completely and hit the backstop on that one, but that was probably a combination of her hands being cold and having to hold it so long. I think she ricocheted off the target, didn't she? I'm not sure. So in the second one, she's got a lot more confidence. You can see it in the draw. Lenny, she's ready to go. Lynn Kitty's here now. She should have shot. Maybe we can still get her doing that. She's got a Robin Hood. I actually have it in the other room. And look at that shot. Yeah, so that one is most definite. Oh, go. See, I think that glanced off the target and went into the wood. Yeah, so that's a 12 because that one's in the middle and not touching any yellow. And because she was aiming at that, we definitely give her a 12. Yeah. <laughs> On a scale of 1 to 10. <laughs> Jill, you're a 12. Ooh. And I think we still have Danny. Is that right? So here's producer Danny. Never shot a bow before. Never her held life. a bow. She actually started shooting that bow left-handed. I said, are you left-handed? She goes, I don't know. So she's right-handed. I told her to spit on the ground. So she spit out a little chew. A little what? Little grizzly long cut. <laughs> look at that form. She's a natural. And look at the shot. 
Ah, uh, that's great. That is an excellent shot for a practice shot, especially. I wonder how she would have done left-handed. She looked pretty comfortable doing it. Mm -hmm. Maybe she's an ambi. Luke with a little correction there. Was she buried in the whisker or what? Yeah, it, the arrow was pushed down into the whiskers of the rest. Oh. And then we're going to zoom in on this one. Her first two shots with a bow ever. Both. So that one's a 10. Yep. Actually, looks like they're both 10s, actually. Yeah. She wins. She wins, for sure. Win. Both Two 10s. <laughs> Maybe after we're done or between uh, sets today, we'll uh, have Lynn go out and uh, take a shot. Give it a try. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She used to shoot with me in a league once. Mm -hmm. Long, long time ago. She shot a Robin Hood, and she goes, Oh, no, did I break something? Am I all right? <laughs> I said, yeah, you did great. Do you know what you just did? It's amazing. Yeah, you put one arrow right down the other. And that's the way you're supposed to do it, right? Yep. All right, so Luke. Woo-woo. Back to you, sir. Yes, sir. Back from our break. <laughs> now that we had to watch all the embarrassment of us standing out there in the freezing cold shooting a bow with no sight on it. <laughs> so you guys moved back to Minnesota. Yep. And at that point, you're already fever for hunting because you met the – was it Peter? The gentleman in Alaska with the archery shop? No, oh, Jerry. Jerry, sorry. Yep. So you met Jerry. Jerry added a little gas to the fire. Yep. So you're... He did. So um, when we moved to Minnesota, we moved to western Minnesota. We lived out um, kind of on the um, South Dakota, Minnesota border, not far from Watertown. Okay. Oh, yeah. And uh, Good deer country. Had, yep. And I had two labs at the time and loved working the dogs. So we birds were kind of life at that point. Um a lot of pheasants. Absolutely. Uh, the lack of parl, um, Canadian goose refuges out there. A lot of a lot of birds around. So we did a lot of that. Um, still archery hunted. Just that's where that whole week before kind of grab the bow, make sure it doesn't break on you. Shoot a few times, go hunting kind of thing. Yeah. Um, that's where that was most dominant. And then um, when we then relocated over here towards the Twin Cities, is where there's more pro shops. That's when I really got back into shooting more. Um, started competing. I had a friend talk me into competing. Um, Ease of access made it harder to stay away. Right. <laughs> you know, out there, there really wasn't, at the time, um, wasn't any pro shop. There was, a sh you know, outdoors, mm -hmm. you know, retailers mm -hmm. that they had, a, you know, one target archery range to try some bows out. But it was really hard to, right. you know, s go there and shoot. And, um, you know, they need to use the lane and so on and so forth so when it got when we moved to a you know relocated to a different region where there's more shops accessible then it was which shop were you uh shooting at out there no well when you moved closer into town oh i've always shot at full draw oh okay yep, yep. and when you were out uh were you out in the country or were you on a, were you on a farm or were you in a little town when in western minnesota yeah. we lived in dawson oh yeah if I you know, know where dawson, dawson is. Minnesota is i used to live in watertown south sure. dakota and i'd go yep. through that area yep right on highway 212 yep yep and we lived in town okay yep so just yeah, to clarify <laughs> right yeah we no we we spent our lot of time in the country but we right. lived in town yeah we i used to mm -hmm. drive through dawson all those little towns out on 212 and uh know it well yep so then you moved out. Where do, where do you where are you living now? Because I heard you say that you had to drive to the cities every day. So yep, North Branch. Oh, you're out right east, here. Yep, just east of North Branch. Um, yeah. So then, so in 2016 is when I really started 
um, kind of my competitive journey. Sure. Um, I had a friend talk me into shooting a state level uh, indoor tournament, which is held every April, the MSAA. So is that um, 3D or is it just block? Tar- not block that was bales. Uh, yep. So that's just a target. Twenty yards. We we just in, in kind of in the industry, we just call it indoor archery. All at twenty yards. Um, you can shoot a sing- at a single spot. Most people shoot at a five spot. It's the um, it looks like the side the the number five on a dice. Yeah, exactly yep. what it looks like. Um, and so you shoot sixty arrows at that for score. And it looks like yours used to when you first got it. That exactly. <laughs> exactly. Now it's got the nose shot out of it. <laughs> right. Yeah, broadheads will do that to a target. <laughs> right. Um, but so I, he talked me into shooting, and I shot a qualifier, and then went to the state, and I ended up winning the state championship. Wow. Um, nice. And so from there, then it just really took off. I had um, where my wife and I live. We have ten acres, and we there's no neighbors around us. I have a huge yard, so I just set it up for shooting. I put targets out. Um, kind of converted part of my garage into a home shop, a home archery shop. And Tell us about your wife. What's her name? Jamie. Jamie, and she's an accomplished shooter. I've she is, watched yeah. her shoot a number of times, and I've always admired her uh, some award-winning belt buckle. Yep. That's pr- pretty cool. Yep, Jamie's an uh, awesome shooter. Um, I wish she practiced more, uh-huh. um, but she's kind of got this natural ability to just be able to pick things up and kind of keep it kind of really nice. like riding a bike is for she her. uh taking any applications for friends because i think i want to apply <laughs> yeah, for sure okay for good. sure just yep. checking yep and i heard you had a junior is that true i do yep i also have a junior looks like uh we're gonna be friends so wait sorry. your son's name is luke too no i'm sorry i just call him junior no his, oh, okay. his name is bowen okay i'm sorry danny if that's what you it's saying. okay i yes. have an actual junior we'll just pretend okay. together yes. sounds good thank you yeah so a four-month-old baby at home and congratulations wow. thank you thank you Yep. That's a life changer, isn't it? Yes. Wow. Yep. He's been a lot of fun. Uh, like, are you getting much sleep these days? Yeah, he sleeps all night, actually. What? He's been pretty easy. Can you tell me We used secrets? to be friends, <laughs> Luke. Yeah, we used to be friends. You know what you got in that glass? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. No. I'm joking. We didn't, I, I've tried we didn't that. that. <laughs> I tried that for about 50 years. That doesn't work. little yeah. on the gums. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, uh, awards. I mean, uh, competitions. You've wi- your wife... What was the competition that she won with getting the belt buckle? That was a, a local tournament, um, two-day tournament, actually, a 3D, the 3D tournament um, that shot just at two different clubs, actually, one day, Elk River Sportsman's Club. Yep, I've been um, there. And What is it, Elk River Sportsman's Club, and I believe Minnesota Sportsman Club in Zimmerman, I think is what Zimmerman? the name of it is. Yep. Okay. Um, Target Bowl, right? Yep, yep. yep. And... Um, yeah, so you shoot 40 targets for score, 20 each day, and yep. then the top five scores out of those two days, that 40 target score, then move on to a shoot-off. So you shoot five more targets. Jill doesn't realize it, but she lives. Jill's one of our assistants. She lives right by that Elk River sure. Sportsman's Club. Yep. Nice club. Yeah, it is a nice club. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and then what about yourself? How many uh, how many shoots have you won or placed oh. in? Um, too numerous to count. Uh, mostly all you know state and local level we really just recently started to to travel you know around the country mm-hmm. um and our main focus is 3d archery right um, we shoot indoor because we're kind of forced to because we don't want to shoot in the cold mm-hmm. um but you know around home but we just now you know recently started traveling we go we shoot um we're members of the asa which is uh, archery shooters association yep. and that's mostly predominantly a southern southern united states 
um, association. So I, I know you travel quite a bit. You yep. went down to uh, Georgia, Al yep. Alabama, Alabama, Georgia, Alabama, um, right. Illinois. Used to be one in Texas. Now it moved to Louisiana. So they do a lot in Alabama. That yeah. that Alabama Georgia area. They have, so when you're they have four. When you're shooting indoor stuff, is it mostly like kind of 20, 30 yard? Only twenty. Twenty. If, if you hear somebody say that they shot indoor archery, they were shooting a twenty yard at twenty yards. Okay. Now indoor three D, yeah, that would be varying distances. But if they were right. shooting an indoor target round, that is twenty yards only. Okay. Yep. Well, Luke, I know you're a fairly humble guy, but I really wish we had a photo of uh, some of your awards that we could show the folks. And I know you've got a pile of them. I do. I didn't. Uh, I don't have a picture of that. I had a picture taken somewhere, but I don't have a picture of all of them. Mostly, yeah. it, and some Jamie's would be much more impressive than mine. Yeah. Um, all of her awards, but with her, so there's quite a few. This uh, decoy setup, I mean, those are so incredibly lifelike. Yeah. Yep. Amazing. Yep, those are Dave Smith decoys. That's actually, um, I just picked up turkey hunting. I'd never, this was my fourth year turkey hunting. Um, I'd never turkey hunted before that turkey. Um, bought those decoys of blind a good friend of mine i was that we were on some of his land um that was a lot of fun yeah happened happened really fast <laughs> exactly um <laughs> and that that decoy um we kind of gobbler we kind of reset the decoy up for the photo purposes but he was the decoy the jake was on his side spur marks all over him <laughs> that that gobbler did not like that jake wow so <laughs> Came, I love turkey Came honey. in and beat him up. He huh? did, yep. Can you explain what a jake is? A jake is an um, immature male turkey. Yep. So mature males are toms. Jakes are immature. Wait, well, I'm a tom, wait, and wait, I'm wait kind a, of immature. Yeah, I was sort of, say, wait a minute. There. Sort of, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. not about the attitude. It's about years and years <laughs> of life. They're a yearling. They're a one-year-old bird. They are, yep. yep. Uh, Kyle, did you have another question? No, it's just thrown off that the uh, Tom was considered the mature one. <laughs> <laughs> Where is the rim shot? <laughs> that was beautiful. Did he just give me a shot? He did. Wow. And Kyle. a good one. Kyle. That was a good one. <laughs> okay, we're going to start talking about your little pee, -pee too. <laughs> <laughs> so, Luke, Sorry, what, <laughs> what all have you just give us a list of the species you've hunted? Oh, um, been in on hunting or actually hunted me being the hunter? Yeah, you have hunted. Um, let's see. So we saw whitetail, we saw turkey. Whitetail, turkeys, moose once. Uh -huh. Unsuccessful. I've been in on a lot of moose kills. I've never had the chance to harvest one myself. Okay. Um, caribou? Caribou a couple times. Um, I was unsuc unsuccessful there as well, which is hard to believe since they seem like they're everywhere if you yeah. watch hunting TV. Yeah. It's not the case all the time. Right. Um. Did you always use a bow? No. No, you when were a I, kid, you had a rifle. Rifles, yeah. yep. So, yep, so I hunted moose one time with my bow, or one season with my bow. Mm -hmm. um, caribou was all with a rifle. Um, been, you know, been on many moose hunts with my rifle, just never the, right. never the one on the trigger. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, what's funny is when I first got into archery, I had this misconception after watching all these stupid, and I emphasize the word stupid, hunting programs because they give <laughs> everybody out there this like wild crazy every time you get in the woods you're going to see a six by six bull or you're going to see a 12 point buck that yep. scores 180 or whatever yep. like 
that's what you think. That's your perception. And then right. you get out in the woods and you're like, all you, if you see a deer, it's a doe or it's a little spike or yep. a fork or something. And you're like, where's all the big deer? Yeah. Welcome to real hunting. Exactly. <laughs> you yep. got to, there's so much work goes into, and I'm trying to remember who it was that said it, but somebody said something about you put more time into your hunt before you actually get in the woods. Yeah. If you're going to be successful. Yep. Yep. So, yep. Yep, exactly. And we'll have to do that this year in Wisconsin. Yeah, we got a lot of work to do Food on that plots land. and lots of things. That's where the trail camera thing can really help. Right. Really help. Oh, yeah. So You bet. Not even just inventorying, but just seeing deer patterns, you yeah. know, in, in certain area. Maybe, you know, you guys have probably experienced this if you have any cameras at all or have in the past. You might put your cameras out there in July, and you have bucks every day. There's this maybe even the same buck. He just keeps walking the same kind of area. You might see him at different times, but he's in the same area and then all of a sudden something switches they move to their fall pattern and yep. he's not there anymore mm-hmm. yep, yep. they just trail cameras can be a great asset right to yeah understanding uh, what your deer are doing i know when i was young we used a trail timer which was a string on a bear bait mm-hmm. you know, pull the string out and then you'd open up the little box and it'd see what time it was or and before that then we'd surround the bear bait with flour on the ground, we'd rake it up nice and smooth, and we'd look at the bear prints and the flower. Mm-hmm. But that all changed with uh, trail cameras. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so you said that all changed, and I was going to say, you mean with, like, electricity? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it all evolved rather rapidly yeah. because, you know, I'm talking about oh, the pretty much the late 70s and the 80s. Yeah. And that's not that long ago. You remember that, right, Luke? Yeah, yeah. Right. I remember all of it. Yeah. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> uh, I don't remember the late seventies, but I was alive in the late seventies. Okay. And on the trail camera note, there are actually some states that are now. I don't know if you guys heard this that are banning. Are what? Uh, I think Utah, Utah now, and Arizona really have banned trail cameras hmm, for, hunt, make, for hunting purposes. That makes yeah. no sense to me. Like they yeah. feel like it's creating an unfair advantage. They, yeah, they must. Um, I haven't heard the you know the the argument against them, but. Yep, they. I think they have to be out of the out of the field at a certain time, you know. But they allow date. you to use them before the season, huh? I believe you know because then some people you know maybe monitor their properties with it or. Oh yeah. So, that's kind of the argument you know that I've read through social media as people saying you know I use it to monitor my, you know, my property because I have people that I have a lot of trespassers right, and now right. they can't use it. So. That'd be a tough one for the uh, local DNRs to enforce. Yeah. I was just looking that up, Nevada and Arizona, uh, full bans in those states. And then Montana, Kansas, New Hampshire, and Alaska have partial bans. Okay. No, it looks like you're not going back to Alaska, brother. No, no, I like trail cameras. (laughs) All right, boys, it's been a lot of fun. But we got to bring this plane in for a landing. You bet. And uh, so, first of all, Luke, thank you so much for coming in and joining us. Oh, you're very welcome. It's great to see you and uh, to get to spend some time with you and talk, you know, hunting. We're all passionate about hunting. I think when Luke gets back home, I'd like you, Luke, to uh, take a photo of some of your uh, awards. And I know you don't like to boast, and that's a wonderful quality, and I think most archers are pretty humble. And uh, take a photo of your uh, your awards and your wife's awards and text them over to us. Ship them over to us. Sure. And uh, <laughs> we can add them into the episode. And then we'll add them into another episode. Yeah, absolutely. I we will. start talking about archery. And, oh, by the way. Luke, uh, here's some of his awards. I think the folks would like to see that. Sure. Yeah, it's yeah, always no fun. It's you know the other thing you have to remember is that when you're in the mode that you're in, where you're an accomplished archer, you've been hunting and shooting your bow forever, and uh, you 
do so much in the way of mentorship and helping folks through the shop, through Full Draw Archery mm-hmm. in, in North Branch. But there's another side of it. Like, people need inspiration, too. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's why people like to see Tiger Woods make a putt on the 18th right. or Michael Jordan make a shot at the buzzer and, you know, the, the last game of the finals. Like, those kinds of things are super exciting for the lay person. Yep. So for us to get or to Or Danny see, putting two in the X. Putting two in the X. Yeah, for sure. And I think, <laughs> you know, especially on that note, I, I kind of a great example of that was me starting out watching guys like, say, we'll use Levi Morgan as an example. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Make shots that, yes, I can't believe he could do that. Jog you know, robbers. it's crazy. So you, you realize it's possible, but, you know, you're at the point, me specifically, was at the point that I couldn't do that yet. Yeah. And then yeah. you get to the level through practice, you know, the dedication, the practice, and the learning of how to do that. It kind of um, where you said the inspiration, you know, mm-hmm. to see that you can do it. There's guys that can do it. So you just got to kind of go out and learn how to do it. Yep. You don't get as much like actual TV or social media or whatever coverage. Right. So in an opportunity that we have with this podcast and let folks yeah. know that, know that if you practice real hard that you can accomplish things like this. Yeah, sure and what can. a great world it is, the whole world of archery. You know, I want to, uh, something I was going to mention earlier, you know, for those of you that are watching or listening and maybe your family and you have uh, young kids growing up, get them in, I would say to anybody, get your kids into archery. Because, you know, they'll develop a passion for that. And whether at the shooting range or out in the woods, you know, whether they're hunting or maybe in a tournament somewhere, you know they're not hanging out on a corner. They're not doing drugs, uh, you know, like Ted Nugent. Make them watch Robin Hood, but not the Kevin Costner version. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like what a great, great thing uh, for the youth to be involved with. Uh, Rather than sitting indoors with a video game, Get them outside and get them into our tree. It's a wonderful. You'll never regret it. Yeah, it's a wonderful. Sure. Uh, yeah. We're all passionate about it, but like Shane said, I think any kid that picks up a bow, they're going to get hooked. Yeah, they really do. Um, yeah. And there's, you know, many people come in the shop and say, uh, say for example, a husband and wife comes in, the husband's looking at a bow, and we w- would always go to her and you know and say, how come you don't have a bow? Well, I don't want to hunt. Oh, there's many people that yeah. that choose just to shoot. Yeah. Um, shooting's very um, you know, to yourself, you can, it's very, uh, almost Zen-like, you know what I mean? It very mm-hmm. you kind of be with you and your thoughts and it's very relaxing. Um, and I've, I've helped many, many, many people, men and women and children that don't ever plan on hunting that just oh, yeah. love just aiming at a target and shooting. It's very relaxing for them. Watching the yep. magical, mystical flight of the arrow. Exactly. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yep. All right, folks. Well, thanks for tuning in to our first episode of the year, Boots and Backstraps 2022. Um, if you have any questions, comments, or snide remarks, you can send those to Boots and Backstraps podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to stop by our link tree where you can uh, get into all of the different platforms that we're on, all the audio platforms, all the video platforms, including YouTube, Spotify, and all the uh, podcast options. And then uh, we want to take this opportunity again to thank Luke for joining us today. TK. Hey, folks. Whether you're belting out your favorite country song or you're out in the woods pursuing your favorite game animal, I encourage you to use that same passion to pursue the Lord. He'll teach you to shoot straight. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Come on now. Honey's on looking for backstraps way deep in the woods. Tracking in a swamp to a hayfield under the harvest moon. When the tags are filled, it's time to switch up our boots. 
head down to the honky tonk, get us a swing dance or two. We're talking about boots and back straps.